0: Welcome to Executive Tools, the Executives Open Door, Part One. This cast answers these questions Do executives have to have open doors? What does an open door policy mean? What are the special obligations for executive open door policies? Well, if you want answers to these questions more, keep listening. Here we go. This is um, one of those casts. It's great to be an executive because isn't this one of those things that, you know, if you're a manager or a director, you have to have open door policies but executives were way too important too busy to have an open door policy
1: right yeah you know as important as you are with all the people around you protecting your time no your door should remain closed yeah yeah it's funny it's funny how i was talking to somebody the other day i'm trying to think of who somebody in the licensee in the community about how i think it was matt bentliff actually uh about how managers are taught or learn early on in their career that they have to worry about operational stuff and and accuracy and correctness and what, what we tend to think of as efficiency as opposed to effectiveness. And their job is largely to manage risk, whereas executives' jobs include the active cultivation of risk because there are no right. <laughs> rewards or results without risk. If there are rewards without risk, believe me, that would go away pretty quickly and the markets rush to achieve it. And, and the same thing is true here. There's this general feeling that management moving into executives, that it's just sort of a, it's a, a linear step function. You know, it's plus one, plus one, plus one, plus one. And people don't understand that it's a different S-curve and that, yes, a manager is still, I'm sorry, an executive is still a manager, right? Because you have direct reports. But when you become an executive, there are additional functions put on, which ought not to surprise anyone that you get paid more, and so there's more to do. And usually, when you really are truly an executive, the pay is notably more, and so there are notably more responsibilities. It
0: sounds to me like you're going down the path that says you have additional responsibilities placed upon you as an executive, but you don't get to jettison... (laughs) All those that yeah. managers are subject to. That's so right. you're, you're going to disappoint us by saying, yes, executives actually do have to have an open-door policy.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: I had to summarize that way because I couldn't let people go on too too much longer going like, Mike's crazy. Well, do he's I? Just,
1: do I? Don't. He's yeah. a nut well, job. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> he's a nut job. So yeah, open-door policies are an accepted standard of management. Most managers don't know what they are, what they mean. The vast majority of executives don't either. They think the standard definition of an open-door policy is my door is always open, which is just literally, cataclysmically wrong. Nothing wrong with you telling your people, hey, my door is always open. You need to pop your head in, it's fine. That's not an open-door policy. And the lack of open-door policies and the culture that they lead to creates really what amounts to disinfected employees. And oftentimes, HR getting involved and stuff that we don't want HR involved. Nothing wrong with HR. We love good HR. But management has its own purview. And much of management's purview is not HR's purview. It might be for training and administration and legal and so on. But the actual management of people is not HR's responsibility. I know I'm going to get mailed for that. I'm sorry. Uh, but we we will continue to console ourselves with being right about this, thanks to organizational theory 101.
0: Yeah, this is important When I I I suspect that many people go. Oh my God, I don't want to. Yeah, you know why? Why are Mark and Mike going to talk about open door policies? I that's not interesting. But this is one of those things, like many systemic things, that yeah. if you implement something with great intent poorly, the 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 results can be exactly the
1: opposite of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, and and look, um, it, it's it's easy for an executive to say I'm too busy or this, that, and the other thing, and and they don't want it. But we're going to make a case in the beginning of this outline that you have to. There's just no question. So outline it at a high level. First of all, first item, executives must. Okay, this is a must. Uh, the second, our second item will be here's how. We'll walk you through exactly do it how you're an executive. Now, some of you are saying. Didn't we do this in manager tools? Yes, we did at the manager level, but not at the executive level. The executive has additional responsibilities. She has to know what those are and nobody's probably telling her inside her company to do it. And then there are some things that executives must not do. So we'll cover what must you do. We'll tell you how, and then we'll tell you what to steer clear of.
0: Okay. So let me let me get where you're going to go with executives must. <laughs> Okay. Probably the, the, the simple one is probably effective executives yeah. must have an
1: open door policy, right? Yes, I would. it's that, an accurate portrayal. And can we just skip to number two and save yeah. ourselves a bunch of We could, of but yeah. no. Okay, but, but we're not. We we're not. And <laughs> I'll course. tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because this is executive tools and there are too many managers becoming executives who don't understand how organizations are meant to be run. They don't understand that there are underlying principles and systems and subsystems of those systems that are necessary for the full and effective function of human organizations. They they just don't. And this is manager tools where we tell you what to do and how to do it, but we also tell you why. So when you get in a situation where it sounds like your organization is 10% different than the standard or 20%, some people think their organization is 180 degrees different, which is really, really bad and will largely be ineffective in the long run. Um, if you're off, you will be able to adjust it because you understand the underlying systems and principles that are supposed to exist. Okay, so since this is for executive, let's start with this. Executive, I'm sorry, open-door policies don't apply just to first and second-line managers. Those people, those of you who are listening when we did the manager tools cast on open-door policies. And and by the way, Mike, I I always hesitate to recover old ground because there's so much we have to cover in the next 50 years right. um, long after we're gone. But I have gotten so many questions, not just about open-door policy, but about managers secretly wishing that some of their responsibilities are going to go away when they become executives. You
0: will be so disappointed.
1: Yeah. If some executives, I would say, sure – your requirement to manage your own calendar, if you have an admin, might go away. But the vast majority of stuff, folks, you still have to keep doing. Well, yeah,
0: it may go away that you don't have to, but it has to be managed.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh, (laughs) sure. Yeah. God God forbid an executive think, I don't have to worry about my calendar anymore. We'll (laughs) talk about a train wreck. It's actually a train wreck carrying nuclear waste. It's really bad. Yeah. So, The principle of open door policy applies to all managers. And again, we talked about this earlier, all managers, quote unquote, includes executives. Executives are not separate from managers. There's not managers and then there's executives and executives are, quote, not managers, okay? Uh, We as executives are managers with additional leadership responsibilities. And what are those additional leadership responsibilities designed to uh, allow? the long-term success of our organization, whereas managerial responsibilities are about short-term success. We are, as executives, uniquely responsible, and unique is a very singular word. Never use the phrase very uniquely, because it's unnecessary. Executives alone are responsible for the long-term organizational success of our firms and our government, and our universities, and our nonprofits, and our not-for-profits as well. Our organizations do not succeed because of our products. They do not last because of our products or because of the economy, but because of our people and their behaviors. And when you think about it for even a minute, if you look at an org chart for even a minute, even if you don't like org charts, and I don't particularly, as executives, those people, And those people's behaviors, they're our people, and therefore our behaviors. This is our responsibility. It's not the CEOs. It's not the boards. It's not some corporate staff function. It's us. We're the ones, as executives, who ensure the long-term success of the organization. If your organization goes out of business, it's the executive's fault. It's not the manager's fault. It's the executive's fault. And. Open-door policies are one of the many, 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 and we'll cover more of them in the years ahead, hidden systems that are actually necessary to make these human organizations such incredibly powerful tools. And they are incredibly powerful tools. As we've said before, sociologists have said for years, the greatest achievement of humankind is the creation of large human organizations. And you don't just throw people together you put people together behind a mission and hopefully some values and some vision and so on. And then you agree on a certain set of principles that allows that organization to function, which essentially requires each of us who join it, which are necessary to have it. We agree to some strictures on our behaviors. Essentially we pay a tax. Probably the biggest tax we pay in an organization is the communication tax. And we pay a tax, we agree on some strictures on our behavior in order to allow the organization to do the magic it does with human potential. But because most of us don't get taught organizational theory, and frankly, those who do get taught organizational theory, I've read probably 20 organizational theory textbooks, they are truly and utterly horrible. I mean, they are just crazy town, the (laughs) stuff they talk about. I mean, you're like, dude, if I read this as somebody in an organization, I wouldn't know why you were telling me this stuff. It's like that episode of Seinfeld where Kramer gets fired even though he doesn't work at the company. And the executive who's talking to him is looking at the report that Kramer put together. He says, Kramer, I'm not even sure what this is. He says, I don't even know what you're talking
0: about. Yeah, there's a a thing Mark's doing with his hands that
1: you won't be able to see, but it's really important. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) in fact, yeah, you should Google Kramer getting fired. And you'll see the executive doing the exact thing. We're not, I'm not even sure what this is. On shoulders the whole thing. And then, and then, of course, Kramer says, well, I don't even really work here. And then the executive <laughs> says the classic line, that's what makes this so hard. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and look, many managers don't know the importance of these hidden systems that are necessary for organizations to work so well. And so, we become managers. We don't do for instance, Open Door Policies. Then we become executives. And now our impact on the organization is magnified and we still don't do, organi- we don't do Open Door or ODP, Open Door Policy, acronym ODP. And now we're fomenting other managers not doing it because the managers who report to somebody who reports somebody who reports to us, they're our responsibility. What they do, their behavior is our responsibility. And if you don't put in place systems You don't need too many. You don't need to strangle them. But ODP is one of the core base systems that exist in human organizations that are run well. You end up starting to have problems if you don't do it. A great many of the problems we deal with at Manager Tools, and I dealt with for years and years and years as a consultant, is because managers don't know the extent of their roles and responsibilities. And because we don't know, we then don't do, and everything suffers. And look, as executives, we not only must know the systems and enact the systems, then we also have to model the system. That's a big part of of system procreation or, or recreation in organizations. The promulgation of systems happens through the adaptation and adoption of behaviors. And some work and some don't, and the ones that don't work die out organically and the ones that do get reinforced and so on yeah but and it's there not are far too many systems it's not a, ma- it's not a matter no. of publishing a, a paper with the policy no, yeah sending exactly. it to everybody oh that's what it's gonna think. happen right yeah just put out a policy paper and i'm good to go yeah we not only have to know the systems enact systems model the systems we also have to teach the systems to our people and then we have to encourage the adoption of the system. And at times we actually have to enforce those systems, and we don't do it because we like enforcing. We do it because we know it's necessary for the long-term success of the organization. Oh man, you just made this seem so hard, <laughs> dude! You're crushing my spirit right now. I'm on a roll here. You're telling you're telling our audience how hard I'm making it. You do this stuff, your life will get way easier. Yeah, and, and it, it, basically, the whole point of this is open door policies are one of these hidden systems that nobody ever talks about. And, and let's be clear, um, I'm going to go back over open-door policies because there are a lot of people who listen to executive tools that didn't hear the original manager's class. It was probably 10, 12 years ago. For the record, folks, an open-door policy is not that your door is open. Quote, my door is always open. That's not what it is. An open-door policy means that, it, that anyone at any time in your organization can come to a manager or an executive to professionally discuss anything about the company and its operations with special considerations for management issues immediately when they want how they want yeah yeah okay mike is really playing the the snark master here the today. Snark so master. no no ignore what mike is saying yeah uh, i'll just okay. no, just bear with it <laughs> not unusual yeah, yeah, yeah. No. just just do your normal <laughs> so good so executives have a special responsibility as a function of ensuring long-term success and how the systems work in organizations to respond to that request. Folks, you don't have an open door policy if you believe that you do. Like, oh, I have one. Surely everyone manager knows I have an open door. Surely. surely. Yeah, surely. But nobody else knows you do or if you get requests and then you don't honor them. That's why our definition says the organization knowing, okay? Your people have to know. You actually have to publish, say out loud, and then in writing, publish this. Your ODP, open door policy, you have to communicate it. And you have to periodically remind your organization of it. And I, when I say this to people, I say, you got to remind people about this. Why? They say, I'm why, so busy. Why would you have to do that? Yeah. Because your organization is always changing, folks you got people who leave and you replace them and then you get a new group and then you, a group of yours leaves to go somewhere else. And by the way, if you're all doing open door policy and a group of 20 of your managers leaves to go to another department, because the one thing you count on in organizations is organizational structure is not static. It is incredibly dynamic. People don't understand that. Yeah. People get promoted, right? Yeah. 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 And, and when you're, when part of your organization leaves, Trust me, if their executive is not a big open-door policy person, unless you have some really stout-hearted people who left your organization, they're not going to continue it, and that part of the organization will suffer. Too many executives, frankly, think that because this is housekeeping, this is administration, this is administrivia, so therefore, this is not what I get paid to do. They think that once they've sent out a memo, a policy exists, and that's wrong you don't get to do it the easy way. It's your job to create the system and communicate the system and model the system and encourage the system and enforce the system. Those are ongoing behaviors. It is not the publication of a document. When your organization changes, the people in your organization, those people's knowledge of the organization's systems changes too, by definition. There is a never-ending battle in organizations, between the ongoing actions of an organization and the changing personnel within it. Get over this idea that your org chart is static. It is for 15 minutes, but somebody <laughs> somewhere in a billion dollar organization is changing something. I can prove it.
0: Go ask HR for your,
1: oh. for your organizational chart and see see if it's accurate. Well, to be, you know, it's interesting. I think, uh, let's see, I think this cast will come out on September 7th. And for those of you who are licensees, which is everyone listening to this cast, uh, Things We Think We Think comes out on that day as well. And it's already been written. And there's a topic in there about how we would, if we were there, build a live org chart because HR doesn't want to share it. And they have reasons for that and so on. But if you really want To be able to, as an executive, start to influence across and up the organization, which we've talked about in terms of our ET cast recently, Welcome to the Matrix, you're going to have to build a dynamic org chart. Um, And it doesn't need to be fancy or pretty, but you will discover if you start keeping track of org changes, it's changing all the dang time. time. Yeah. Just because someone comes from another part of the organization, from the company, let's say doesn't mean they know how you run your part of the organization. And every executive runs his or her part of the organization differently. They just do, folks. You might think it's monolithic, but I can assure you, it's not monolithic at all. Never has been, never will be. And that's part of the beauty of the dynamism of human organizations. We cannot assume either that because HR has promulgated some open-door policy, everybody knows what they need to know. Again, the existence of a policy in writing does not a policy make unless we intend to see our roles as the enforcement of policies that we have not communicated well. That would not go well. No, it wouldn't. And I hear this all the time. Well, we have one. I said, dude, if it's published, that doesn't mean you have one. We don't even actually care if you have one. We care if you do one. That's the thing. Right. What behavior do you engage in? And look, despite HR's very good intentions, the majority of man- majority of managers and executives even either don't know of that policy or don't follow through with the behaviors, the modeling, the teaching, the encouragement, and in times, the enforcement of some systems. Okay, let's get back for a minute. To, uh, so I we covered some of that just so that you can understand the unique responsibility of an executive to address the dynamism that, ex- dynamism that exists in human organizations. And I hope we will be able to refer to that ongoing in the years ahead in executive tools about the necessity for the constant refreshing of these fundamental systems and principles um, through executive behavior. Do you have time for it? No, but you'll have even less time when your company goes into bankruptcy. Now, I want to get back to some operational issues of, around open door. I mentioned this before, but I'm going to say it again, because this is this is probably the most common, but it's such a stupid misunderstanding that I hate to even bring it up, but I will. There's a common misunderstanding that open door means simply saying, my door is always open. And it's just so lame. It's like, dude, seriously? It's just, oh, you think you can get away with that? It's like standing in front of any door and going, open Sesame. <laughs> magically expecting to open. It's it's not precisely so. Look, we don't have any problem with every single person listening to this cast telling your people all the time, your door is always open. Good for you. We love that. We want you to be approachable. Um, in fact, I got famous in the army for having an office and telling people my door is always open. See me at any time. And there were times when I had to close the door and I got so tired of having to close the door, I took the door off its hinges and put it in a closet. And then I got in trouble when the inspector general came around and said, where's your door? Yeah. The colonel has signed for this fire. fire where's fire the door? Things. So unsafe. Yeah, so <laughs> unsafe. I felt terrible about it. The colonel saw me later. He's like, he, the colonel's later says, like, horse, good move, man. I'm like, yeah, like, okay, thanks, sir. I'm willing to get in trouble for doing the right thing. Always have been. <laughs> as Mike, as Mike can tell you. For Look, those of you who are coming to the M conference, feel stories. free to corner just, Mike.
0: Just ask me. Oh my gosh. The they are they're they're epic. They're epic. Yes. I must
1: yeah. say. We should talk about it at the M conference. Yeah. Now you mentioned earlier about executives being required to see anybody at any time. You're like, toot sweet, let's let's have a meeting. And the answer to that is executives are not required to see anyone at any time that their requester wishes. We're certainly able to schedule time for that discussion. Nothing wrong with that. We encourage that. But we don't have to drop what we're doing for anyone at any time. This is a false dichotomy. Oh, you said you had an open door. That's not what open door means. I I think I've said this before on air. People would come to me in my office and they would lean their head in and I'd be busy. And they'd say, do you have a minute? And would say, sure. And then they'd come into my office and sit down. And I would get this look on my face like, what are you doing? Mike would now tell you, my face is scrunched up. Like, what is this? And they would get this look like, oh, is this a bad time? I said, well, no, if all you need is a minute. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, I said, <laughs> you asked for a minute. I assumed that you're intelligent enough to know I just gave you a minute. And you then sat down, which suggests this is not a minute. So you have falsely led me to believe that you only needed a minute, which I can handle. But I can't handle sitting down in 10 minutes because I have something I'm doing. Now, if you need 10 minutes, I will say yes to that, but not right now. And, And people think, oh, you sound like a tyrant. No, this is how organizations are meant to be run. You are not required to be available to everyone at every time at all times. You might think, I like being that way. Good for you. When you become an executive, all your likes go out the window. There are so many systems and principles and subsystems and sub-principles that affect your life, you don't get to do it your way. No, I take that back. I learned something this past weekend, Mike, that's worth saying. I had three separate conversations with three different people over the course of about, nah, really 10 days, not the weekend. And I was talking about executive tool stuff, and I mentioned this cast in passing to someone. And, they, and three different people mentioned three different executives' names who didn't do it this way. And guess what all three of those executives had in common other than they were in the news? And I mean seriously in the news, like every day, multiple times. What did all three of the people that were mentioned by reasonably intelligent people who I was having conversation with, what did they all have in common? They were Billionaire founders of the company that they were executives at. Folks, (laughs) you can learn nothing about executive life from billionaire founders. And that especially applies to Silicon Valley billionaire founders. They're not executives. They're geniuses. They're incredible geniuses. And they do what they want. And they they have 20 people around them saying, another good move there, sir. Well done. Yeah. And then they run out the door and go fix it, (laughs) right? So, yeah, exactly. The whole people around him clean up the mess that the executive often leaves in his wake. Okay, so I learned that people's ideas about executives is crazy, crazy town. Like, no, those people, none of the rules apply to them. So, getting back on track, we don't have to drop what we're doing for anyone at any time. As a general rule, if an employee wants to take advantage of an open-door policy, they must specifically request time with us and say they're doing so as part of the policy, okay? Now, the reason open-door policies are so specific, and we'll get into more of the specifics in terms of how you will implement it in a little bit, is to avoid anyone being able to go to anyone at any time for anything. It's specifically designed to prohibit that. Because if you start doing that, anybody can go anywhere, that leads to a breakdown in the vertical command structure of effective human organizations. I should actually say not vertical command structure, I should say vertical authority structure. Because when we say chain of command, uh, people understand what that means organizationally, but it really doesn't apply in civilian organizations. In the military, there is a chain of command and command means a very specific thing, actually legally it does. And when there is command, then there is something called the Uniform Code of Military Justice, whereas we don't have that in the civilian world. But we do have a chain of authority. So it's not popular to enforce the inevitable and incredibly helpful verticality that exists in our organizations because verticality is a critical hidden systems in our organizations, but we must at times do so. So a frontline individual contributor cannot magically show up in front of an uh, an executive's office and say, I need five minutes. That's not what open-door policy yeah. means. I'm not saying that you're violating some principle if you say no or if you say yes, either one of those answers could be okay. But the idea that anyone can go talk to anyone at any time is antithetical to the way human organizations are structured. And if you don't like that, I totally respect it. You may have what is the what is the uh, what is the zappos oh holacracy you may have a hol- holocratic vision of things that's beyond what human organizations have proven to be incredibly effective the most effective thing in the history of humankind you may have a better idea but you cannot practice your better idea within a normal human organizations without creating enormous political blowback for you personally and we don't recommend that we tend not to recommend things that are going to get you in trouble Yeah, in fact, we get asked this all the time. I know you don't really recommend this, but can you tell me how to do it? And we say the same thing all the time. We do not recommend how to do something that we would not recommend you do. Dude, seriously. Now, as a general rule, some of this is related to executives being protected by what we here at Manager Tools jokingly refer to as the Stackhouse Grazing Rights Rule, which is no blind Requests. An employee cannot simply ask for our time without stating what the purpose is. In the event of an open door policy request, the title or the subject of the request is open door. In other words, if I have something damaging or worrisome or ethical, potentially ethically problematic, I don't have to disclose that in my open door request to you. I can just say, I have an open door request. But far too many people think that an open-door policy, again, this is wrong, but far too many people think that an open-door policy means anybody can go to anything with anything at any time and, by the way, they don't have to reveal what it is. Wrong. An employee cannot simply ask for our time without stating what their purpose is. If you allowed that to happen routinely, it would cause a breakdown of another hidden organizational system which allows each of us to make choices individually about what we're working on relative to our own responsibilities. So if an employee says, I need to see you about something, this isn't an open door request yet. That's a blind request and we can either refuse it summarily. Think about it for a minute. Suppose they sent you a note and say, I need to see you right now about something. And you're on a plane flying. You can't say yes, nor, nor did you say no. Or what we can do, is ask them for what they want to talk to us about. We can ask, again, because we need to determine the relative value to us and our responsibilities. This is what people don't understand. Open Door does not give you a blank check for blind requests. Any executive who's asked for her time is entitled to know what the ask is about so they can assess its relative value and determine whether I need to talk about that right now or a week from now would be okay. And then we can give them time or not, and we can, again, also choose a time that reflects the importance of their request to us and to our responsibilities, which is different than a manager's responsibilities because we have long-term success, not just short-term success on our plate. And look, folks, there are many classic stories of employees who think that open door means they can ask the CEO for time, and he or she must honor it. And when the CEO doesn't, the employee whines and complains to others that there really isn't an open-door policy around here. This from a person who literally doesn't know what they're talking about. Literally. It's literally the definition of someone (laughs) not knowing what they're talking about. It's like there (laughs) ought to be a picture of that in a little video in the dictionary next to – Yeah, doesn't know what he's talking about.
0: Mark's looking very animated right now. I know. You can't see it, but if you did. I love these topics.
1: Great. Yeah. Um, We we should should probably, at some point, we should do a video (laughs) of uh, of a cast. Yeah. Um, Or or what they'll also say is, oh, the CEO doesn't really care. Believe me, folks. There are exceptions, and those exceptions get written about far more often than the vast majority of CEOs that do. But I got to tell you something. CEOs care. You've seen pictures of CEOs before and after. They age. Maybe not as much as the U.S. president or the prime ministers of various great countries in but the they world, do but believe age. me, oh, they age. It's an incredibly hard job. In fact, when I've coached CEOs, people that I coach who were EVPs or SVPs and got the top job, COO to CEO, the first thing they say is, this is all there is. Like, they suddenly realize, this job, you could pay me 10 times more, and it, that's not fair recompense for the brutality of this job. All of this can be avoided, by communication of the policy after you understand what the policy is and you understand its implications and therefore its limitations. And by the way, if you do a simple thought experiment, starting with the example of the CEO, you quickly realize that the same ability to deny such a request, even if you're not CEO, is necessary for executives as well, or at least delay such a request. Okay open door policies however as i've made the case do give employees the ability to make a blind request the request is actually open door but that must it must be explicitly stated and how are they going to explicitly state it if you haven't communicated this and say, this is how we run this part of the organization, irrespective of whether those guys in marketing or sales or technical operations or engineering or design or or legal, I don't care whether they run it. This is my org. These 35 managers, these 80 managers, these 200 managers, these eight managers, I'm an executive. This is how I run my org.
0: Isn't that a little of a hurdle though? I mean, you know, oh. it seems
1: right. I mean, you're oh, a hurdle. Would you, Mike? Would you like me to make your life easier for you? Do you want me to knock down all the hurdles for you? I would actually. Yeah, I think there's actually a phrase for that in the in the um, child rearing business called bulldozer parents. They used to be helicopter parents, thirty thousand feet and then down to the ground, thirty thousand feet and down to the ground. Now there's a bulldozer parent where the parents pay people to take their college entrance exams. Oh wait, no, that turned out to be a scandal. <laughs> um, and and by the way. It should be obvious by now, listening, without the behavior of you and the modeling and the encouragement and the teaching of all this open door stuff, and those verbs apply to any other system that's hidden, this is just one of them, our people aren't going to know how to do that. So let's go further. Open door policy requests are not, I say again, are not, I say a third time, are not confidential. ODP is not a way for anyone in the organization to say anything to anyone anonymously. Anonymity does not exist except in very rare whistleblower cases and ombudsman cases in organizations. Some people say, well, I can say things to HR confidentially. No, you cannot. If HR tells you you can, they're lying. If you tell them you did some malfeasance against the company, they are professionally obligated to turn you in just like you confessed to the cops, even after having been read or not read your Miranda rights, Okay. So, we have to remember yet another hidden system or principle that applies in all effective organizations. Managers cannot grant confidentiality or anonymity in any things. When you're a manager or an executive, you represent the organization. What represent? What does that mean? It means you are the organization. When someone speaks to you, they cannot speak to you, the person, without speaking to the organization you represent because you are the organization. La us c'est moi. The state is me, said the king. Well, now you're the king or the queen. Now that may confuse you, but that's only because you, the organizational theory has not been taught or you've been taught poorly. Now, one more important limitation on the requesting side of open door policies. The requesting employee must follow their chain of authority. Okay? If someone is asking for open door time, and again, it has to be stated as such when they do so, For the rule to apply, they must have taken the request through their own manager and all the levels between the approached executive and their manager. Open Door is not a venue shopping exception to the chain of authority. Now, just just, I I can see somebody immediately going to their keyboard right now and typing in MA Horseman at manager tools.com. There is an exception to this rule when the direct manager or chain of authority is part of the problem, or retribution might be a factor. Then you can skip up your chain of authority to a level where even if there's not trust, maybe three levels up from you, you don't know the person, there's an assumption of fair treatment based on reputation. Now, guys, this is not, don't try to drive a truck to that loophole. It is a loophole, but it's a necessary one. This isn't a blanket opportunity to go around one's boss. Say you're a director and one of your skips comes to you with a relatively minor request or concern, having skipped their direct boss for fear of reprisal. Our guidance here today is we encourage you to tell your skip that this scenario did not require using the open door policy that open-door policies means going to your boss first, except in serious cases of potential retribution or fear regarding ethics and so on. Uh, Retribution, uh, essentially think of yourself as being a whistleblower, okay? Now, we often say, I think we've said it about 100 times today, that there are certain obligations or duties that come with the benefits of being an executive. I say this all the time to people and I think I'm not saying it in a clever enough way. I got to figure out the horseman's laws versions of this, which by the way, Mike, I don't know if we've been so busy around here with the transition and everything. Um, That will be my talk at the M conference this year, October 26th and 27th in Chicago this year will be horseman's laws revised. First time it's ever been revised. I told somebody I'm revising them and they said, no, 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 no. There are only eight. I'm like, dude, actually, no, there were many more than eight when I first – came up with Horsemans Laws, but I only got to talk for 45 minutes at Harvard uh, and didn't think anything of it. I just said, you know, they asked me to talk. I talked. And a bunch of people came up to me afterwards and says, do you have that speech? Can I have that speech? There were a lot of good laws in there. I said, sure. So, and that's what started horseman's loss but but i only had 45 minutes so i couldn't talk about all of them so i talked about the eight that i thought would be best for that audience so we're expanding horseman's Laws and changing a couple of them as well so you can go ahead and tell your skip no don't do this again you don't get to skip your boss just because you want to talk to me you got to go talk to your boss first and i don't believe your boss is going to uh, bring retribution against you. I don't believe they're going to, there's going to be reprisals against you, and you have to learn to develop a good relationship with your boss.
0: Yeah, your executive, you have to respect your subordinate managers.
1: Yeah. So, like I said, there are certain obligations or duties that come with benefits of being executive. There is no job where one gets more pay for less responsibility. There is no such thing as a free lunch. Open-door policies and all that that implies for executives, behavior, modeling, teaching, encouragement, and enforcement are a non-negotiable part of an executive's life.
0: Excellent. Well, I recommend that we stop here
1: because… Oh, my. How long have we been going? Oh, uh, my. 40, 40 minutes. Folks, I'm sorry. Essentially, what, what happened here, guys, is we included, because this is executive tools now… And executives have an additional responsibility than just implementing stuff. They need to understand the underlying systems and processes, hidden ones like this one, so that you can start looking for those underlying systems and processes. For those of you who like Peter Sinji's famous book, what's the name of the book, Mike? Systems-Driven Organizations... We call them learning organizations. What was Peter? Oh, Fifth Discipline. Fifth Discipline. Peter Sinji. Yeah. One of my favorite um, books back in what, yeah. the 80s, right? Yeah. It was fantastic. It's still accurate. It's incredibly hard to implement. But Sinji basically made the case. I may be pronouncing that wrong. Maybe just Sinj or Singe. Um, but he was a genius. And he basically said, you have to understand how your organization works. And if you start doing learning organization type behaviors and understanding your organization, you come up with all these hidden systems that are at work or not, depending upon how good your organization is.
0: Yeah. This is one of those things that if you don't understand the basics of it and why this exists is you'll be hurting because you're going to have a number of people, probably as an executive, you have enough people in your organization that you're going to get some pushback
1: and you got to be able to explain why the rules exist the way they do. Yeah, so Mike, again, I'm sorry that I, I went on, but if you don't understand, like you said, the underlying rationale, then you can't implement it in unusual situations. So yeah. and the
0: good thing is, folks, if you if you like these long, detailed discussions about a management and thoughts, and if you have the show notes, and most of you do, yeah. right, well, everybody listening to this would have those, and you know that yes. we go off script, so to speak, quite often. If you thought that that was going to end anytime soon...
1: Because no. of the transition at Manager Tools, you would be wrong, right? Yeah. In fact, folks, this, this uh, cast is coming out on September 7th, 2022. Mike and I have announced our retirement from active day-to-day operational control of the company on September 23rd, which is in only a couple of weeks. I think it's a Friday. And we have been asked by Kate Braun and Sarah Sentis who will take over as managing partners of the firm and do far better than Mike and I ever did to continue recording executive tools for the near future. So if you're thinking that maybe in two weeks there will be new voices on executive tools in the middle of this cast, that that is uh, unlikely. We've agreed to continue for a short while. And we're excited about
0: it. Yeah, there's some things we really like, and you know, sometimes we have a hard time giving up the things that we yeah. really enjoy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's also hard to give it up when the managing partners of the firm, Kate and Sarah, say, we'd like you to continue. Yeah, exactly. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah,
0: but we win too, so it's good. Yes, we sure. do This is one of those few things that everybody wins, except maybe yes. some people would rather listen to Kate and Sarah. Yeah. And I wouldn't blame you.
1: Yeah, no, we'd we get that entirely. Yeah,
0: good. Right on. All right, so we'll continue this one next uh, next time. All right. Thanks, partner. Thanks, everyone. Take care.